Once there was a prince who wore a long coat of the deepest, deepest blue velvet. And this coat was edged with a white fur collar and it had petrol blue buttons all down its front and at its cuffs. The prince was rarely seen wearing anything else. He felt safe in it, held in it, able to slip about unnoticed in it, or so he thought. But mainly it was because nobody looked past the coat, or past his handsome face and his eyes of lagoon blue, or past his hair that had a shine of the darkest navy blue to the black of it. In general, overall, it could be said that he was a blue man. Blue except for one thing that nobody noticed he clutched so tightly to himself, held scrunched in his fist, hidden in his pocket, his knuckles white with the holding on so dearly to it. While there, held close, was a golden key. For aren't there always golden keys in a story? But this wasn't a shiny, new, gleaming, just-found key. No. This was a tarnished, battered, brassy-looking key. It was cheap and trashy, but to the prince? Well, of course, it was irreplaceable. This golden key unlocked the lock on a door in the furthest reaches of the basements of the castle. A door that opened onto a room that held his shame. Every single day he would visit this room, making sure nobody but nobody saw him. And nobody ever did. Not really. They never saw past the blue of his hair and the blue of his eyes and the blue of his coat. The prince hated himself for needing to go to the room every single day, hated that he had to lock himself in it. He tried not to go. Every single night he went to bed and vowed this time, this coming day, he would not visit the room again. Each morning, before his eyes had barely had a chance to open, he was scrambling down the stairs, ashamed of his shame, ashamed of what he kept locked away. It was inevitable, of course, that the key would go missing. There was no worry that anybody else would have taken it. Nobody knew it existed. Nobody knew of the room the prince visited every day. Nobody knew what it contained. But the key was definitely gone. And it wasn't quite true that nobody at all knew the secret of the prince. One thing knew. A very, very, very small man that could hide in corners, shimmy on the tops of doors, skirt skirting boards with ease. He knew. The prince thought he himself had secrets, but not a one in the castle knew of this very, very, very small man's existence. Except, perhaps, the very, very, very small man himself. He was quite sure of what and who he was, and sure that stuffed down the back of his trousers was the key of the prince. Did the very, very, very small man mean the prince harm, or did he mean the prince good? At this point, it is really rather difficult to say. All that can be told now is that after a year and a day of watching the prince, did the very, very, very small man take decisive action. The prince needed to know, the very, very, very small man decisively decided, what it was like to not be able to visit the room where he kept his shame every single day. He needed to know what it might be like, the potentiality of somebody else knowing what he kept locked away. 
Well, the prince was frantic, frantic like he had left a screaming child to fend for itself. But there was nothing that could be done. He couldn't tell anybody. He couldn't find the key. So he slept. No, he tossed and turned in sleepless nights of unknowing and unrest. Until, until the very, very, very small man whispered in his ear. Sleep, my dearest. There really is nothing to worry yourself about. Sleep. Sleep. The very, very, very small man sang a lullaby to the prince, and the breathing of the prince slowed. His limbs relaxed, and the gentlest of snores passed his lips. The prince, in truth, had probably never slept so well in all his life. Post-shameful thing, that is. It's impossible to pinpoint exactly. That's not true. It's extremely possible to pinpoint the exact moment when the prince thought he had to lock away something very dear to him. We can perhaps conjure up images of, I don't know, outrageous outfits or or women's frilly knickers, but that would not be the case here. And we can track his slow disappearance from the world until he was just this blue thing. And because he was so striking, nobody thought to look beyond the surface of it. And because he was gifted with the beauty of speech, none could follow the threads of what tracked beneath the poetry and prose. At present, it is unclear how he came to the attention of the very, very, very small man. The very, very, very small man wasn't alone in his duties. There are many of his kind providing a service as they see it, though others might call them a hindrance. Who can say really, though? They would take what was not theirs to take. They would have authority where it was not their place to have authority. They made decisions on the behalf of another when it was unvoiced. But unvoiced is not always the same as unasked for. And they always felt it was necessary, the point reached where they would simply be drawn to intervene. And here we are. What the prince didn't know, but what the very, very, very small man did, was that everything was really perfectly safe. The very, very, very small man had the key that would never change. Nobody really went down to that part of the castle anyway. Except, that is not strictly true either. A little girl once did. A little girl ventured bravely alone, dared by her brother, though he himself would perhaps not have done if dared the same. A little girl who clutched her teddy bear tightly to her, so not completely alone, but still brave nonetheless. She had wandered down to that part of the castle, and she had peered through the keyhole of the room of the prince, then shrugged and carried on her way. She couldn't really see inside and cared not one jot, She was simply proud of her courage, and perhaps her story is for another time. In the story of the prince, a curious thing happened. That as time went on and on and on, as the soothing sounds of the very, very, very small man found their way into the ear of the prince each night, well, they had the effect of making the prince begin to forget that he had lost the key. Not only that he had lost the key, but that it unlocked the door of the room that he kept his shame in. He forgot it all. And his words of beauty began to have truth and meaning behind them once more. A lightness came to his step, a song surrounded his being. 
Still he was solitary, still he walked without a permanent companion, but nobody minded. Everybody loved him. He himself appeared quite content. Of course, (laughs) there is a but. But, one morning, many, many months later, he awoke to find the key. The key, cleaned and sparkling in the morning sun, sat on his bedside table. His heart stuttered upon seeing it. Then it began to beat too fast. His palms grew sweaty. He remembered not why the key made him anxious, though. Knew it was literally the key to something, but not what. The light in his eyes dimmed once more. His shoulders hunched up around his neck. Little by little, the prince remembered the key had a door and the door had a room. He didn't rush down to it straight away as had, as had been his normal practice. In fact, it was seven days that passed before he ventured down to that part of the castle where only he and brave little girls with teddy bears went. Seven difficult, nervous, cake-filled days. He took to numbing his thoughts with food. He took to drinking too much wine with brandy chasing after it. It was then, staggering and bleary-eyed, too loud to know of himself that he made his way down. Down, down, down to the part of the castle that nobody went. Down, down, down with shaking hands and unsteady feet. Down, down, down to a door waiting to be unlocked, which the prince did. He took the key out of his pocket, placed it in the lock, opened the door and stepped into the room. Stepped into the room and spun around its centre three times. Spun around with a very, very, very small man clinging tightly to the lapel of his blue velvet coat. The more the prince spun, the more he sobered. The more the prince spun, the less dizzy he became. The more the prince spun, the laughter burbled and escaped his lips. Small at first, but growing and growing and growing until his head had to tip back for the largeness of it all. The laughter echoed not just about the room, but the corridor, the floors above, the castle as a whole, the forests and the seas. He laughed and laughed and laughed till he clutched his stomach and tears rolled in merry waves down his cheeks. His mirth became uncontrollable and he sagged to the floor as it gave way to sobbing. The room was empty. Not a single thing was in it. The room had always been empty. There was never anything the prince had needed to hide away. 